0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. DW Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Something is new. It's new. Here comes a lightning bolt. Charger fans are witnesses
1: to history. This is the lightning round podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti, and Jamie Hoyle.
0: Go Chargers, go! Welcome back to
2: the Lightning Round Podcast. I am at Garrett Sisti. Jamie is at Lightning underscore round. We are covering storylines from the Chargers' loss to the Saints in Game 2 of the preseason. But first, we're going to roll through these donations, and then we'll talk about all the news, including Dontrell Inman, Derwin James' injury, and then we'll cover that game. So uh, first off, a special thank you to Antonio Stevens.
3: Uh, another big thank you to Michael Flores, who says, Great job, guys, on the podcast. Hopefully this helps the beer fund. Wish I could do more.
2: Yeah. Next up is William Boydston. He says, Beer's on me. Get well soon, Derwin.
3: Couldn't be more true. Absolutely. And finally, Preston Walker, who says, Here's to another nail-biting season. And he actually asks a question. He says, Question for you guys. After preseason game two, what are you more worried about and less worried about than before the preseason started?
2: Okay, and we'll go back and forth on this. So we can start with more worried about, and I'm not even sure this is possible, but I'm more worried about the offensive line than I even thought was even remotely possible. It was just uh, a shit show in game two. It wasn't good in game one. And uh, I know they're talking up a lot of these guys and they're excited about the five they have, but... We talked about in the offseason there, a Russell Okung injury away from a disaster, and we're kind of seeing it now in the preseason. So I'm more worried about this offensive line than uh, any group, really.
3: Yeah, the offensive line has to be concerning, and we're going to get into it more in depth uh, when we get into our storylines here in a few minutes. But, uh, I mean, the tackles are terrible, um, I and I'll expand on this a little bit later. But in my opinion, I think what we're starting to see is I think they're starting to become targets. Uh I think officials are expecting to see offensive linemen run right by defensive linemen. Defensive linemen run right by these mm-hmm. guys and create pressure. And when they actually get their hands on somebody and actually make a good block, they're getting called for holding because nobody expects them to actually do their job. So I think that's a little concerning. Uh, and there's you know they're having issues with pass protection. They're not picking up blitzes. Uh, they're missing blocks in the running game on third and fourth and short. Uh, there's all kinds of issues. It just seems like guys don't know their assignments or are uncomfortable with their assignments or can't carry their assignments out, and it's, it's scary right now.
2: And I'll add the uh, special teams hasn't been all that great either during the preseason. Uh, kind of a group that was a little bit exciting last year. I got some good returns from Des King, but man, and I know got, they got the TD in New Orleans or against New Orleans, but this special teams, man, with all these penalties, it's like you expect them to get one each time the ball is punted or kicked off. And uh, it's just been sloppy through two games, so they've been horrendous. So maybe a close second, special teams?
3: Yeah, you know, I think think a lot of that also has to do with, you know, they're obviously cycling a lot of rookies and undrafted free agents through the special teams right now. Even with the first team, they're giving guys a chance to see if they can stick. And you expect some of that sloppiness, but it's been Mm -hmm. so sloppy that it's pretty alarming, so hopefully they can straighten that out.
2: So talk to me about your uh, less worried about. What's one thing that you were less worried about going into the season?
3: Um, I would say one position that I'm less worried about just based on where they are in terms of the competition is I wasn't sure what to expect from Rayson Jenkins going into the off going into the preseason, knowing he was going to be in the lead for snaps, at least when camp started and really not having anybody to push him. Uh, you know, I was at the game on Sunday and I, you know, it seemed like he was covering a lot of ground, made a couple of nice tackles. Um, I got his hands on a couple of passes. He seems like he's moving a lot better and covering a lot more ground and making much faster reads. And we all we obviously know he can tackle, so he seems like he might be a nice another one of those nice interchangeable fits back there at safety, where he can play maybe a little strong safety, play a little free safety, but certainly handle that deep center field and maybe do a pretty good job doing it.
2: Picking a different answer than you, I guess uh, linebackers. I wasn't quite sure. How would that all would turn out? We haven't seen Thomas Davis, but Kaiser White looked like an animal on Sunday. Drew Tranquil made some plays in the preseason. Chenowethu has had a strong preseason. He got banged up in that game, but and he's also been more of a Leo than a Sam. But, you know, uh, Denzel Perriman playing a little rusty, but um, got that big hit on a fumble. So through two preseason games, not so bad. Um, of course, I'm leaving out Nick DeZubner because that would drag the whole grade down. <laughs> but, you know, for now, I'm, I'm not as worried about the linebackers as I was going in the season.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think as a group they played pretty well. And you've seen some ascension from some of the guys that were kind of in the middle or bottom of the depth chart last year. And it's really nice to have Kaiser White back healthy because that's a guy who I think can do a lot of damage as a middle linebacker in this in this defense if the guys in front of him hold up. Yeah.
2: All right, so uh, let's talk about a couple things before we uh, break down this game against the Saints. And uh, first off, uh, right before we recorded this podcast, the Chargers announced that they released the long-time long snapper Mike Went, and they ended up signing the old veteran, Don Trell Imman. The wide receiver to add to this uh, receiving core.
3: Yeah, it was a little surprising to see them let go of Mike Went, who has been with the team for ten years and was really the only part of the field goal unit that they didn't seem to have any interest in examining with with any real, you know, vigor uh, last last year when they were having all those issues with with Sturgis kicking mm-hmm. missing kicks. Uh, it Seemed like they were just dug in, and he was not the problem, and they were gonna they were going to blame it on the holder or the kicker or whatever they could do to protect him. And they brought in Cole Mazza in March, a guy who was one of the top long snappers in the AAF uh, last year. And it seems like they've decided that Mazza's their guy. You know, he's, I guess they feel like he's playing well. He's obviously less expensive than Ben. So a little surprising to see them cut at this stage of the preseason, but I guess they figured they'd give him a chance to find a job somewhere else. Um, and then bringing back Inman again, a little surprising, um, in just in the sense that, you know, they decided he didn't fit what two years ago and traded him away. And now they bring him back. It, it makes some sense when you look at the wide receiver depth chart and the lack of experience behind Allen and Benjamin and Williams, which is something that we've talked about on the show on more than one occasion. Uh, you know, I like bringing him back. I think he'll push the young guys. He'll probably push one of them off the roster he's seen, he's just an easy guy to root for you know he works hard he hopefully contribute on special teams and uh just a couple kind of surprising moves that might help round out the depth chart a little bit
2: yeah well, going into the season it seemed like dylan cantrell would be that guy that would compete with those you know Artavis scott and jeremy davis and of course his injury happened and uh so once he was gone there wasn't any competition we talked about last podcast that those five five wide receivers were locked in with keenan allen uh, Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, Arteva Scott, and Jeremy Davis. And uh, I know Andre Patton had a pretty good game, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit here. But they didn't really have any real competition for that wide receiver 4-5 or even Travis Benjamin, for that matter, for wide receiver 3. And uh, he definitely deserves some competition. So in comes Dontrell Inman, who obviously has the chemistry with playing in this system, uh, playing with uh, Philip Rivers. I guess they were texting back and forth. So Rivers obviously wanted him in that group. And we'll see, you know. We've all expected Artavis Scott and Jeremy Davis to make that leap and, you know, maybe earn some snaps going into the season. But so far through two preseason games, they've just been all right. Nothing really to write home about so far. I thought Artavis Scott would make a little bit more noise on special teams. Um, He might be the guy leading Jeremy Davis at this point, maybe because he's got a special teams value. But right now, there's going to be a real competition on who's going to be that last wide receiver. You assume that. You know, Allen, Williams, Benjamin, and now Inman are probably locked in with the four. They could obviously cut Inman if it doesn't work out. But uh, for right now, Inman being the fourth wide receiver, and then you got Artavis Scott and Jeremy Davis for that fifth wide receiver.
3: Yeah, you know, you mentioned special teams value with Scott. You know, it doesn't sound like he's going to wind up returning kicks during the regular season, but Davis is one of their key coverage guys. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. You just kind of look at the roster and you look at Mike Williams and you look at Inman. You know, do they really need another big receiver in Jeremy Davis? Are they better off kind of getting a guy who kind of play in the slot and is a little smaller and shiftier, maybe can create some yard uh, yards after catch. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out, um, especially considering I thought the younger receivers looked much better on Sunday than they did in the first preseason oh, yeah. game. So the timing of it's a little questionable. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I think competition is always good, whether it's for Travis Benjamin or Jeremy Davis or Artavis Scott. And I think the truth is, is you know, the Chargers looked at their depth chart and realized maybe we can't rely on Artavis Scott. Maybe we can't rely on Jeremy Davis. So uh, kudos to them for realizing that. And we'll see. If he just winds up pushing guys to work harder or if he winds up stealing one of those last two spots.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I guess uh, it, it upgrades the wide receiver depth uh, for sure. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he does push uh, Travis Benjamin for wide receiver three. We'll see. There's definitely competition there now. So they've got two more preseason games and we'll see how this all shakes out. And on to some uh, bad news. And that is uh, since the last time we spoke. Chargers took a pretty hefty blow, losing safety phenom Derwin James. He injured his right foot during joint practices with the Saints after celebrating an interception. I don't know if you saw that video, Jamie, but
3: I did stupid.
2: I mean, not, not that he was Mm -hmm. celebrating, but he was just jogging. You know, it wasn't like he was jumping up and down or doing backflips or anything dumb. He was just running with his DB group. No, just running with his DB group and uh, ended up coming up lame. And so on Thursday, uh, Derwin's going to be headed for surgery, North Carolina, where they're going to remove a screw in his foot. That kind of got bent last week. Derwin James is expected to be out three to four months.
3: Yeah. Obviously a big loss. I mean, uh, you, you really can't replace a guy like Derwin James. Uh, he is—he does so much for that defense from you know playing safety to playing linebacker, slot corner, outside corner, even on some defensive end. He's a great pass rusher. He really does it all in a way that very few safeties can. So very difficult to replace him. But I feel like they've got a pretty good safety group. And once they start getting guys like Jalen Watkins and Nasir Adderley back, they'll have some options. And it it seems like just based on the way they they rotated guys last uh on Sunday after Drummond got hurt uh it seems like you know you're probably looking at Adrian Phillips being the quote unquote starting strong safety and playing with the base defense and then rotating down in his familiar dime linebacker position uh in the dime packages and having a Jalen Watkins or maybe a Nasir Adeli or even maybe a uh uh Roderick Teemer coming in and replacing him at the strong safety position. So lots of options. I, I feel like, you know, once you get over the initial shock of losing Derwin and everything he does, you look at a guy like Phillips and the year he had last year, and granted, you can't necessarily count on him to do everything he did last year, but I feel like Phillips is a, a decent replacement. He does enough of the things that that James does that you feel comfortable with him back there, certainly with the base defense and you know he's going to be on the field playing that dime linebacker role anyway. So uh I just think that they can they can get enough out of Phillips and then rotate him with two or three other guys to not replace James, but at least feel comfortable that they don't have a massive hole back there and maybe get some solid production out of you know three guys to do what James did.
2: Yeah, no, it, they got really lucky uh, re signing Adrian Phillips and uh, having this shake out the way it did to have a guy as versatile as Adrian Phillips is to play strong safety and uh, play that nickel linebacker. And so there's a lot of different things that he can do. And, you know, like you mentioned, you can't replace Derwin James. You know, the defense is obviously better with Derwin. There's no debating that. But. You know, it doesn't take a massive dip like it would in a lot of other different position groups on this roster for the Chargers. They got lucky that they have a guy like Adrian Phillips who can fill in strong safety, still be that linebacker depth, and then a lot of guys in the preseason making some plays. We'll talk about them, Jalen Watkins, and a guy you mentioned, Roderick Teamer, also making plays. So, you know, that means now that Derwin's out, there's a safety spot open, uh, maybe even two, depending on uh, how these two play. And uh, we'll see how this all shakes out. It seems like... We might be looking at a Hunter Henry situation like we did last year in that, you know, Derwin has a chance to be back during the season, and I don't know what his recovery time. It's three to four months, but, you know, every player is different. But it seems like that return time, you know, at worst is towards the end of that season. And so, you know, we might see where he comes back towards the end of that year or into the playoffs, like Connor Henry, we might see that, you know, from week 13 on, will he play this week? Will he play this week? He's starting to get there. He's starting to get there. So we'll see how this all works out. Um, You know, if the Chargers get to the playoffs is, is another matter, but for the majority of the season, uh, Derwin James will not be on the Chargers roster.
3: He won't. And there's probably a pretty good chance that if he does come back, he will be somewhat limited, not himself, maybe not as explosive, still trying to get back to trusting his foot, so that kind of where that's kind of where it plays into that you know Hunter Henry situation where maybe it doesn't pay to play him if you've got two or three guys filling his role well enough that you don't want to rush him out and risk hurting him. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, if he gets if he's able to get healthy and he he recovers quickly and he's back at a hundred percent, then certainly you want him out there. But if he's going to be out there at eighty percent, seventy five percent, just because you want him out there. You know, maybe maybe you decide to hold off on that and give him a full offseason to recover.
2: There's no two ways about it. It sucks that you lose Derwin James. But then, like you mentioned, once you kind of get over the shock of it, you know, you realize that Adrian Phillips will fill in nicely. And, you know, they won't take a massive dip, and, that, and that's that's still good for this defense because they're going to be carrying this team. In 2019. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about this second preseason game. Uh, like last week, Jamie and I divvied up the um, different sides of the ball. Uh, last week I did offense, so we're going to switch, and Jamie did defense special teams. We'll trade. I'll do defense special teams. Jamie's going to do offense. So uh, give me a storyline from the game on Sunday.
3: Well, we kind of hinted at it earlier. I think the first storyline, and as much as you don't want to go negative right out the top, the first storyline <laughs> has to be the offensive line. Uh, Because they suck. Uh, The tackles in particular are really bad. Um, You know, it just gets to the point where those tackles are getting collapsed into the pocket within a second or two of the ball being snapped. They're not getting their hands on people. They're whiffing blocks in the running game. When they do get their hands on people, they're being called for holding. Uh, Tevi and Scott and Pipkins in particular were awful on Sunday. There were several plays where Pipkins just flat out whiffed blocks. Um, You know Scott getting getting called for holding on the backside of running plays because he can't keep his guy in front of him. It seemed like every passing down, both Tevi and Scott were chasing their men down from behind, or you know, hanging on to them like like hanging from them like a cape or something, just kind of blowing in the wind, trying to trying to hang on. So. Uh, those guys are awful. I did think the, the interior of the offensive line, well, they started off poorly. It seemed like they kind of got their legs under them and they started to figure things out after the first couple of drives. Um, still a couple missed assignments. It still seems like guys are a little confused. A lot of that probably has to do with the fact that you've got Feeney out there learning how to play center on the fly and Pouncy is not out there. you got to figure he'd be picking up on a lot of those blitzes. If he was out there with Mike Pouncy. um, but you know they're they're not they're not recognizing um blitzes they're not shifting protections they're missing blocks they're holding uh the the 3rd and 1 and 4th and 1 on the first drive Scott missed two blocks on that on that series um got to be fair Forrest Lamp also whiffed a block I think on the 3rd down it might have been the 4th down but he, a guy got right inside of him and he had to try to chase him down from behind uh just a lot of problems a lot of stuff to be cleaned up and there's no real solution you can't throw Pipkins out there right now so they're stuck with Tevi and and Scott at uh, at the tackle positions unless they can go out and, and make a move and bring bring in a veteran or two or three uh <laughs> I mean they can't be they can't be comfortable looking at that group right now they just can't they can't be comfortable looking at that group and thinking that oh we're fine, especially when you look and you realize that Pipkins is your number three tackle right now That's kind of scary. He went into the season. He was supposed to be tackle four, like a deep swing tackle. So he could sit on the bench. Now you're looking at it and it seems like there's a pretty good chance. He's going to see the field at some point this season. And that's terrifying.
2: Yeah, no, those tackles were awful. And I, maybe calling it a shit show earlier was, um, was just referring to these tackles. Cause the you know, Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney, you know, were pretty good. And Schofield was all right at the beginning. But I thought Feeney and Lamp were much better towards the end of that game or as that game went on. But man, those tackles were just so bad. Sam Tevy in particular, uh, I did, <laughs> I didn't like anything he did on Sunday. And Trey Pipkins is just, Still continuing to struggle. He did it in game one. He did it in game two. Uh, they were talking him up so much in the preseason, and I don't know if they were kind of setting him up a little bit, maybe getting a little excited about him. And so this is a bigger letdown. I don't know, but Pipkins has just been awful, and uh, Tevi hasn't been any better. And when they cut Mike Went, you're thinking, oh, maybe they're bringing another offensive line because. It makes sense in your head that after the showing on Sunday, if any group needed some more depth, it was those tackles. And uh, to bring in another wide receiver after a guy like Andre Patton had a game he did was a little uh, suspect, but regardless, you know, it seems like Anthony Lynn trusts in uh, his offensive line and those five guys and that offensive line coach. And I, I just, I don't get it.
3: Yeah. uh, None of it makes sense. They really didn't have a plan obviously in case of a, a catastrophic injury. Uh, going into the season, and it's showing. And, uh, you know, there's not much else you can say. They're bad. Uh, The chances of them getting a whole lot better are probably slim. Um, It just seemed like the – I mean, those tackles, man, it just seemed like they're reaching and grabbing and lunging on every play, giving up pressure to the inside, getting beat around the outside, getting bull rushed. They just have no answer. There's no anchor there. There's no footwork there. And Pipkins, I mean, he's getting – you know, forklifted by linebackers carried back into the the pocket. Uh, he looks like he's terrified and intimidated. The footwork the team talked about just does not seem to be there. I know he's athletic. Uh, he had one or two blocks where he looked okay out in space in the running game, but man, pass protection is a problem. So, yeah. uh, you know, I do think the interior of the line will be pretty good. Be- it'll be interesting to see if they go with Feeney or Lamp at left guard. It seems like right now, the way things are going it's probably going to be Feeney because the only time we see Lamp at left guard is when Feeney's playing center. So it seems like Feeney's going to wind up winning that job and maybe Lamp will have to earn his way in or maybe they'll rotate them. Um, But uh, I'm not as worried about the interior as I am the, the edges. The edges are a big problem.
2: Yeah, especially when you start to think about these pass rushers in the AFC West. And when the games start mattering. So uh, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to defense. And uh, I just want to lump two guys in. And uh, I kind of mentioned them a little bit earlier. But I want to talk about Kaiser White and Uchenna Wosu because they had some really good plays early on in that game. I'm on the Saints' first drive. Kaiser White had a tackle for a loss on Latavius Murray where he was knifing in the backfield, stuck him in the backfield. On the next play, Uchenna Wosu bends the edge. He almost got the sack and uh, Bridgewater fires to throw this offline, that's a throw that Rayshon Jenkins, the guy you mentioned earlier, almost had that interception where it seemed like he had it in his fingertips for a good six seconds. <laughs> he was holding it, running to the sideline, <laughs> almost cradling it with his fingertips, and then it falls to the ground. <laughs> I thought he was going to have that interception. And then, you know, the very next drive, Kaiser White sniffs out a pass out in the flat to Zach Line, ends up closing for a minimal game. Two plays later, on a third and eight, Kaiser White is in zone. Bridgewater's forced to step in the pocket, Kaiser White reads it. Bridgewater looks to go run. As Kaiser's closing, Bridgewater bails, decides to throw it, and it's an errant throw. Uh, it goes over the wide receiver. And so Kaiser White had an effect on two of those three plays on that drive. Chen Nuosu had a big hit on third down on the Saints' first possession after the half. And, you know, they were both all over the field. The real news now is the uh, Nuosu injury because after uh, the third quarter touchdown, he was rushing off the right side. And he just kind of came up lame a little bit. And uh, after that, he had his abdomen wrapped up. He didn't return. So hopefully Chen who's going to be good to go soon. Now, Anthony Lynn said he was a little bit sore today. So, um, you know, we'll see. He didn't rule out him playing or at least practicing this week. So, uh, you know, I guess it's kind of, he was a little murky on his injury status.
3: Yeah. Both those guys are great. Uh, Kaiser white just looks so instinctive at middle linebacker um, aggressive. He had a great run stop where he knifed through the line and, uh, got a tackle for loss. Uh, he just seemed like he was everywhere, um, sideline to sideline, coming downhill. He looked absolutely fantastic. And uh, Nuosu looks like a completely different player this preseason. Now, some of that's been against backup offensive linemen, but he looks explosive off the edge. There's a lot of bend there. He looks really good playing with his hand in the dirt to the point that you almost wonder if they're going to bother playing him at Sam. Maybe, maybe we get to see Kaiser White at Sam if uh, Perriman winds up winning the middle linebacker job. Because you got to feel like Perriman and White and Thomas Davis are the three best linebackers on the roster right now. So, uh, just really good to see the development in Nwosu. He's developing counters. He's getting around the edge in a hurry. He just he looks like one of the Chargers' best defenders, and he's you know he's a backup defensive end right now, covering for Melvin Ingram basically. So exciting to see that both those guys playing really well.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. All right. uh, Go ahead and give me uh, another storyline from the offense.
3: Uh, I'll go with a positive, at least in terms of a positive performance, even if it might hurt us to admit it. Uh, (laughs) I think, you know, where I'm going. Uh, You know, we, we've been very critical of Cardell Jones basically since he got here, he's looked lost for most of his time here in the preseason uh, he actually looked somewhat under control. He was making good reads, made some good throws. He had a couple that were a little high, but they were, the receivers were able to pull him in. And, you know, outside of holding the ball too long a couple times, uh, Cardell looked as good as he's looked basically since he got here in 2017. Anthony Led said as much, um, you know, after the game. It was one of his first comments. He couldn't wait to say how talk about how good Cardell Jones looked. How it was his best game as a Charger, and how you know you can see the benefits of him spending three years in the same system. It's finally starting to pay off. So uh, the the bright side of that is obviously for Cardell. He played very well. The team likes him for whatever reason, and they're excited to see him perform well. Uh, the downside of that is for those of you uh, Easton Stick fans who did not play well. It seems like Stick lost some major ground to Cardell Jones, and again. Jones was the second quarterback to come on the field, not Stick, after his performance last week. Kind of gives you an idea of where Stick is in the competition right now. So kudos to Jones for playing well. And oh, shit, they're going to keep three quarterbacks. And Cardell Jones <laughs> is the third quarterback yet again.
2: Yeah, he very well could be, which is a scary thought. But, you know, and I hate to admit it, but he seemed like the best Chargers quarterback on the field on Sunday. Uh, he played better than Ty... I, in my opinion, he played better than Tyrod and Easton Stick. I think that drive after the Jalen Watkins interception where he drove from inside their 10, their own 10, the and two. drove all the way down the field. From the two-yard line. Marched it all the way down the field to an easy pitch-and-catch to Andre Patton. I mean, that it was methodical. We would have been raving about it if it was Easton Stick. Maybe a little bit more excitement in my voice if it was Easton Stick, but... You know, I I guess he's not dead yet. We'll see what happens (laughs) in game three and four. But I still have a hard time believing that they'll cut Easton Stick, spending a fifth-round pick on him for a guy like Cardell Jones. But we'll see, man. I mean, Cardell's definitely closing in. It's no longer like last week. Just get Cardell and don't even let him catch the bus ride home to, oh, shit, there's an actual competition to QB three. Now between Cardell Jones and Easton stick and Jones might be that third quarterback. So, uh, God, we'll see, man, two more games and hopefully Easton stick shows up.
3: Yeah. I mean that drive you mentioned, uh, after Watkins pick was phenomenal. I mean, starting on the two, uh, there was a penalty that they overcame. He took a mi- massive hit on, I think a second or third down throw to Culkin to convert a first down and extend the drive. Uh, the, the play that he made, the throw that he made to uh, Andre Patton for the touchdown was a perfect read with the Saints in zero coverage, uh, no safety deep, and he just threw it out, threw it out in front of him and let Patton run out, run underneath it and catch it. It was perfect. Uh, he even had a solid drive on his next drive. It stalled on what I thought were a couple of bad calls. There was a face mask call against uh, uh, Newsom that, that, was, that terrible. was garbage. It was just a stiff arm. That was awful. It was brutal. And then they also called Cardell for a an intentional grounding uh penalty down in the red zone which was awful because there was a receiver in the area and yeah he overthrew him but that's the whole point is there was a guy there and he threw it over his head and they just missed it and it seemed like the Saints talked them into that penalty because it was such a late call. It was brutal and that was really the one the one questionable, you know, play that Cardell made and it was the right decision the right read, and he got penalized for it. So kind of unfair uh, for Cardell, as much as I don't want to stick up for him. It was kind of unfair for Cardell, and uh, he played really well, and he deserves all the credit he's getting uh, since the game.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. He played a great game. So uh, switching off uh, offense and uh, back to defense, I want to talk about the uh, undrafted free agent, Roger Teamer, who's a guy you mentioned a teamer played the most special team snaps and the most defensive snaps of any Chargers on Sunday on defense. He played 77% of the snaps on defense, 48% of the snaps on special teams. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, he had 21 snaps coming at linebacker, 19 at slot corner, 6 on the D-line, and 3 at free safety. So he was the Derwin James of that game, too, if you will, of the preseason. He played everywhere. Uh, he was tied for the most tackles on the team with 6, recorded a half a sack, Three defensive stops. He was impressive as a defender. And on special teams, he made a really clean tackle with uh, Tyler Newsom punting out of the Chargers end zone on a return for no gain, which was really good. Uh, Jalen Watkins had the interception on the tip pass, like we mentioned, second quarter, which reminds me, uh, Daniel Popper had mentioned that that was a year to the day where Jalen Watkins tore his ACL. So that's a pretty cool story for him to get that interception that day. But um, this battle now uh, between Jalen Watkins and Roger Teemer for that four safety spot with Derwin James is now starting to heat up, and maybe you make a case for keeping four. Jalen Watkins has some experience at both free safety, strong safety, uh, also special teams value. Roger Teamer's got some real special teams value, clearly. I think he was one of the best special teams player in game one. I thought he was one of the better special teams player in, uh, week two w- you know, outside of Tromain Pope and his big, uh, TD, of course, his return touchdown. But, um, I thought Teamer has been great in coverage, uh, on special teams. So I think Roger Teamer is really, really close to making the 53 and he might, uh, continue that UDFA streak for the Chargers.
3: Yeah. I think he's probably in, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they carry five safeties just to be safe out of the gates. I don't know how they'll do it because it's yeah. obviously going to put them <laughs> yeah. in a really bad spot numbers-wise somewhere else. But I,
2: Tackle is where it's going to really yeah, have I, issues.
3: You know, just kind of looking down the road, I mean, ha- can you put that guy in your practice squad after the way he's played the last two weeks? I don't know that you can. So that they might feel compelled to keep him just so they don't lose him. But, you know, I I agree with you. I thought Teamer was really good. He was very good in flashes in the first preseason game, and he was just flat-out good in the second preseason game. Uh, You know, you saw him making run stops. He was good in coverage. He's good on special teams. He's doing a little bit of everything and looking very, very good doing it, and it seems like his confidence is growing with every snap he's getting. So he's been a lot of fun to watch. And
2: doing it from everywhere. Yeah. And you know, not just playing strong safety or free safety. He's doing it from everywhere. So yeah, confidence is through the roof and he's he's playing like it.
3: Absolutely.
1: Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring.
3: A laundry?
2: Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.
3: My next storyline is the young wide receivers, guys who we didn't see anything from uh, against the Cardinals last week. And all three of them stepped up and played very well. Of course, them being Artevis Scott, Jeremy Davis, and Andre Patton. Um, Davis, we already know he, he offers value on special teams. He was one of their better special teamers last year. Uh, but Jeremy made two nice physical catches to convert first downs uh, on out routes, deep outs. Uh, on Sunday, that was it in terms of wide receiver production, but he ran some good routes. Uh, one of the catches in particular, he had to go up and get and took a pretty good lick on. So he, he played very well. Uh, I think Scott, if I'm not mistaken, had like four catches for 64 yards. Patton was somewhere in the same neighborhood. Both those guys were making plays down the field, down the sidelines, along the perimeter from the slot in the middle of the field. They both played exceptionally well. Patton made a couple really nice physical catches. Um, Artavis Scott had a really nice catch for a first down where he took a lick. In, uh, I forget who it was. One of the Saints hit him in the back with his helmet and got penalized for it. So all three of those guys played really well. They all stepped up after a very bad week for all three, of well, two of the three in Arizona. And they get rewarded by the Chargers going out and signing Dontro Limon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, of any group, it seems like the wide receivers did enough to let him go into week three. But nope, they brought the veteran in and now... You know, Patton's almost guaranteed not to make the roster, and it's between uh, Artavis Scott and Jeremy Davis. Yeah, so, all right, I'll go ahead and uh, move on to defense and just give a, a quick couple shout-outs here to a couple players. First off, Jerry Tillery looked pretty good in his Chargers debut. The highlight being that sack he had before the half where he exhibited some beautiful hand usage, swipe inside. He basically rotates some hill to the ground. The play happened so fast. We got to see some of that explosiveness on that play, which was awesome. Uh, had a really good run stop um, posted a gif of it. Him and Roger Teamer met at the running back and uh, it, it was a great read by both of them. I know uh, the team played uh, Denzel Perryman late into that game, which was a big uh, storyline. Uh, we found out that, uh, that Anthony Lynn just wanted him to knock some of the rust off. So they wanted to just get him some extra playing time. He had two missed tackles in that game, but of course was all forget forgotten when he had that big hit on a a Zigbo and uh, popped that football loose that it was nice. But, you know, to be honest, I think, Perryman was pretty up and down that game. A lot of people talking about that hit and that fumble, but to me, he had more down than up. He, he was, still looks really rusty. And, you know, he's, he's still getting back at it and uh, still getting in football shape and getting used to the game a little bit. And then, um, of course, I want to, um, uh, give a shout out to uh, anthony lanier who was another guy who had a pretty good day uh, tied with teamer and perryman for the lead and tackles with six had a big run stop at the beginning of the fourth quarter that was a tackle for a loss but they didn't count on the score sheet which uh, is a shame and uh, lanier was in the backfield a lot throughout that whole game it seemed like that number 90 and then of course uh, that big time sack on taysom hill on that two-point conversion uh, that two-point try where he got the sack, and they, uh, they they were unsuccessful. So, you know, if Uchenna Nwosu is missing any significant time, you're looking at maybe a guy that can uh, climb up the depth chart as a, another end there. We'll see, but uh, Lanier definitely making some noise this preseason.
3: I think uh, Lanier is a very interesting guy to talk about, just because with Chris Peace Hurt, you know, you start looking at the depth chart. Is Uchenna Nwosu a linebacker? Is he a defensive end? You know, if you're going to yeah. list him as a linebacker, that probably leaves the fourth uh, defensive end position open with, you know, obviously Ingram Bosa and, uh, Isaac Rochelle, Rochelle being the top three. So peace is hurt. It's going to be hard for him to make the roster unless he gets on the field in a hurry. And Lanier is just lights out. And that's, you know, he's two eighty plus he's so quick off the line. He moves in a way that he shouldn't be able to at that size. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they view him and if they try to fit him on the roster just because he's a guy with 3 years experience and it seems like he's starting to put it together. That that would be an unlikely guy that they'd be able to, to stash on the practice squad in my opinion, assuming he he's even eligible for the practice squad. So, do you trade him? Do you keep him? Maybe you could leverage him and get an offensive lineman out of him? Maybe you just use him and keep the depth at defensive end? I don't know, but I think he's a really interesting guy to watch over the next two weeks to see if he can continue to get those snaps and make the most of them and force his way into the conversation for one of those last defensive lineman spots.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think Anthony Lanier and Roger team are all those guys that are on the bubble that are starting to make a case to make that 53. Yeah.
3: And I mean, Lanier was a guy who nobody was talking about going into camp. Yeah. I mean, people were excited about Chris peace, uh, the Josh Corcoran kid people thought might make it. Uh, but nobody said anything about Lanier. And I don't think we even really mentioned him, uh, in our, any of our off season programming. So he, he's really surprised, <clears throat> excuse me. He's really, he's really surprised and impressed. And it seems like he's certainly making his way up the depth chart. My last storyline, just a couple of shout outs for guys who I thought played really well on offense. Obviously you can't talk about this game without talking about Tremaine Pope. Uh, we had a lot of back and forth early in the off season about, well, is, is Newsom, you know, is Detroit's Des Trez Newsom a lock to make the roster. Will they keep four running backs? Will they keep three? Uh it seems like Newsom is slipping down the depth chart, and now you start to see Pope making plays in the in the return game. He looked really good as a receiver uh against the Saints this week. He's a guy who seems like he's working his way up the depth chart and might be making a push for a third or fourth running back spot, depending on how they want to put the roster together with Melvin Gordon out. So he's a guy to watch over the next two weeks to see if they start kind of featuring him a little bit more. Uh, You know, I think last year going into the fourth preseason game, they shut down everybody but Newsom. So it'll be interesting to see if they do something similar with Pope in the fourth preseason game this year to try to get an extended look at him. Um, So he played very well. I think Sean Culkin has come a long way. He's a guy who looked really good and athletic uh, out in front as a run blocker on Sunday. He had a nice physical 12-yard catch for a first down from from uh, Cardell Jones and he looks like he's ta- making strides every week, you know. He's probably not going to be a guy who's going to put up a ton of catches, but he's blocking extremely well. He's getting open and it seems like he can contribute on special teams. So, if you're when you start looking at that tight end 3 spot, we're at a point in the offseason where people are starting to look kind of not so patiently wonder when the team is going to bring back Antonio Gates. And I think the team is quietly sitting back and really liking what they're seeing from, um, from Culkin, a guy who they talked up during camp and kind of hoping that he forces them out of any thought of signing Gates, because he seems like he's really progressing and, uh, and really taking a step forward in his game in all, in all aspects of his game since last season, when you know, he he didn't really do much on the roster, and he was kind of tough to watch at times.
2: You know, I was really hoping uh, Andrew Vollert was going to stay healthy. Uh, it's a shame he tore his ACL because I thought it was going to be an interesting competition with Culkin and Vollert. But, uh, yeah, everything Culkin's done so far in the preseason— proven that he's the tight end three. There's no other tight end making any noise at all whatsoever. So he's pretty much a lock to make the roster and uh, doing pretty good. Of course, a special teams contributor, uh, mostly blocking tight end, but able to got a third down catch there in the game. And, uh, you know, when the ball's thrown his way more times than not, he's catching it. So uh, that that's definitely a good thing.
3: I thought some of their best running plays came with him and Hunter Henry on the field together. And in some cases with him leading the way. So, uh, Colkin played very well. I'm I'm enjoying watching his progression.
2: All right. Well, I just got one more thing on defense before I move on to special teams, and that's uh, kind of what I was talking about earlier, and that's uh, Nick Dezubner, who. Was a complete dud on Sunday. He had multiple missed tackles, uh, gave up at least three catches in coverage that I counted. One was for a first down on the uh, running back Ozigbo, who uh, Dezubner wasn't even in the vicinity uh, until after the first down marker uh, pushed him out of bounds. You know, with guys like Roderick Teemer making noise, Drew Tranquil and others who were starting to splash a little bit on special teams. I think this is the year that the Chargers got to let him go. He's an excellent special teamer, but he's an absolute liability on the defense and I don't think you can afford to keep them with all these guys that are showing a lot on special teams I think they can make up for it during the season so uh DeZubner just awful on Sunday and uh, I I think uh he's about out here
3: yeah I think that was the plan in the offseason I mean you know when they were down their last two healthy linebackers in the playoffs they basically refused to put DeZubner on the field and they went with their seven defensive back alignment so I think realizing that they couldn't rely on him on defense they went out you know they added tranquil they added a they added kyle wilson they added thomas Davis. the list goes on and on and on and it's pretty obvious who they were targeting you know they they didn't bring back kyle emmanuel and De Zubner's still under contract but it seems like he's the other guy they're trying to push out with better athletes and guys who have at least a chance to contribute on defense some of them could be starters in a couple of years. So uh, there's just so many able-bodied guys and Kyle Wilson's even played pretty well in spots uh, starting the first two games. So uh, I have a hard time seeing DeZubner making the roster and, you know, I wouldn't have objected if they had cut him over Wint today. I, <laughs> I think it's just time and let's stop dragging it out already.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And Anthony Lynn kind of talked about how, um, You know, the plan was that uh, they were going to end up letting Wint go, but they wanted to release him early on so that he could hopefully find a spot to stick on another team, which is, you know, obviously a classy move for a veteran, and, you know, you want to cut him early rather than during 53s when there's that mad dash. So it would have been a lot nicer if they'd done it before training camp, but regardless, uh, they gave him some extra time to try to find a home. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think this is all it for DeZubner. I can't quite put my finger on Kyle Wilson. I don't know exactly what they want to do with him. He's the first linebacker up, and I know Perryman uh, isn't ready to be with the starters yet and just kind of getting some garbage minutes to get back in the groove, and Thomas Davis isn't in there, and Kaiser Weiss obviously in there, but Tranquil's later on, and Zubner's later on, but he's really jumped up. I don't know if they like him or if he's just the next man up there. It's it's confusing there. We'll, We'll see how that goes.
3: I, it seems like he's the next man up at Will because they've been without Thomas Davis and they've been without, uh, Jatavis Brown. Yeah. At the Will the last two weeks. So it right. seems like he's probably the third Will on the death chart and just happens to be playing because the other guys just aren't there.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Jatavis was the other name I was searching for. You're right. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and go to special teams. And, you know, you mentioned the Tremaine Pope, uh, return touchdown, which was big. Um, he had, Three Saints defenders bearing down on him, and he made them all miss, which was beautiful, set up his blocks downfield, and it was Drew Tranquil who uh, buried the last man yep. to lead the way down the sideline. He just coasts for that touchdown. And, uh, you know, you mentioned it. Pope may have jumped Detroit's Newsom. Pope was the next man up in front of Dietrich Newsom. He might be the guy as the RB3 right now. He adds some special teams value, obviously, with that touchdown. So it seems like Newsom kind of has a steep hill to climb, but – if they break camp and it's three running backs it's Eckler, Jackson and it's Pope it's not out of the realm of possibility that they can swoop up Detroit's Newsom and put him on the practice squad you know he didn't put that much together that some other team has to grab him so there's there's a chance they might be able to sneak uh, Newsom through through waivers i'm i'm not sure but it seems right now that Newsom that um Newsom's RB4 with Pope being RB3 at the moment and then the other storyline is, is of course the punters, and of course I guess we got to talk about it. Uh, Ty Long was the much better punter on Sunday over Tyler Newsom, and um, Long averaged three more yards per attempt than Newsom did. Long pinned two of his three kicks inside the twenty. Uh, Ty Long had a great kick where he angled it to the sideline, pinned the Saints back to their own six, which was the best kick of the game. Uh, Newsom had two kicks, uh, didn't have much hang time. He put them in a pretty bad spot in terms of like a line drive kick and uh, it didn't cost them any points and they are able to recover. But, you know, the other thing that's kind of that we got to kind of keep in mind here is that Tai Long is the holder for Michael Badgley too. So it's pretty much Tai Long's job to lose uh, at the moment because he's also the holder and the kicker. Uh, Michael Badgley made his one uh, field goal. Long was the, was the holder there. So it just seems like Tai Long's the guy.
3: Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last week. Long is Best punter, he's handling kickoff duties, and he's the holder. Yep. So unless Newsom can snag one of those one more of those three jobs, it seems unlikely that he's gonna make it. And you you mentioned Newsom's kicks. He had two short kicks, one of them was kind of a wobbler. In both cases, uh the punt returner was running up underneath it, got a head start, and he under kicked his coverage. So Newsom has not looked good, and long has. So it seems like that that battle is more or less wrapping up unless Newsom gets really hot and they decide to carry three kickers, which God God help us if they do. <laughs> They're not. But
2: they don't have enough.
3: It seems, unlike, it seems unlikely. It seems
2: unlikely. It ain't happening. And then, uh, you know, of course, the other thing we mentioned earlier is that Mike Wink got cut, and it's going to be Cole Mazza, the Chargers' long snapper for 2019.
3: Before we call it a show here, I just wanted to give a big shout-out to Josh Albrechtson and Aaron and Daryl even John Kegley, somebody that we had a good conversation with a big shout out and a thank you for all of your general generosity and hospitality on Sunday. It really made for a great day for my wife and I. So thank you.
2: All right. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. And we will talk to you next week. I am at Garrison on Twitter, Jamie
3: at lightning underscore round. We will see you next time. Thanks everybody.